Hey everyone, welcome to the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Every week, four to six of us get together and discuss a movie. At the end of the episode, we announce the movie for the following week. All movies are available from streaming services, either as part of your subscription or to rent. Thanks for listening. Now, on with the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Deeply Discussing Podcast. My name's Dale Maxfield, and I'm joined by Josh Dean. Hello. Nathan McKinney. Hello. And Zach Rowland. Hi. And later on in this episode, we'll be discussing Ex Machina from 2015. Um, but first, we'll talk about what we've been watching lately. Nathan, what have you been watching lately? Oh, we've been hiding in the house and watching movie after movie. Uh Alicia and I collect movies as kind of a, a fun thing, uh, in particular a lot of uh, Criterions. So we've been kind of hitting those as hard as we can. And uh, so we've seen uh, Carnival of Souls this last week, which is Gosh. something I hadn't even heard of until I saw it on Criterion. But I'm sure the movie riffers in the house probably know it well. Um, it's a black and white movie from the late 60s or early 70s. Filmed in Lawrence, Kansas, for those that are local, yeah, to yeah. where I'm at, and uh, it's bananas. <laughs> it's horrible. It's absolutely, it's I I you know I love the horrible about it though. That was the thing. I I think it was an entertaining as hell uh, watch. So that was one. Uh, we also Riff watched Tracks Face did in that the live uh, a couple years ago, and I saw that, and I th- I to, in my opinion, it was their worst live show. Because I just could not stand that movie. We enjoyed it. In fact, I was kind of like, I could watch that again. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, Facing the Crowd was another one we watched. Uh, so good. Which is, yeah. And, and you know, it was funny because I had always seen the cover and I thought, oh, I've seen that. No, I think I was thinking of No Time for Sergeants the whole time. I had never seen Facing the Crowd, and it's it's really top notch. It's uh, old Andy Griffith. It's it's basically one of his very very first films. Um, and it's really a perfect role for him. He's fantastic in it. Um, the, we've also watched the sting. Uh, we watched Barry Lyndon, uh, catching a lot of classics, actually. Uh, the thin man, the very first one, I had never seen it. So we're watching that one. What did you think of Barry uh, Lyndon? You know, it's, it wasn't the first time I'd seen that one. Um, it's, it's one that I kind of love and hate at the same time. It's so slow and boring, but at the same time, it's so beautiful to watch. And there's, there's a lot of art going into it. So I love what's great about it, but I think also it's kind of a slog. So it's, it's one of those that I just dig out every now and then. You have to be in the mood for it. Yeah. But it's, well, it's, and- it's a lot like watching like a season of television as opposed to a movie because it is kind of there's distinct portions of the movie or portions of the story that go by and it is just like whatever 25 years of this guy's life in seemingly real time yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i mean what i love about it is the cinematography more than anything um, which, I mean, it's famous for its cinematography. Um, he actually invented lenses to be able to shoot in completely dark candlelit rooms. He even invented special candles to be able to light rooms with nothing but candlelight. Um, and then the other thing about it is he used paintings of the era to kind of inspire every single one of his shots so that it kind of felt like one of those paintings of the era. So, I mean, it's it's got a lot to kind of enjoy about it but at the same time you're just like oh is this over yet <laughs> yeah so did you ever see the mill and the cross no never heard of it um it is not a very well-known movie um but it's uh came out in 2011 and the idea behind it is that it's basically a series of paintings but they're not paintings there's real people standing there and then it'll zoom in on something and a little like small play will happen and then it'll back out and go to another section and another small play will happen. It's like a painting coming to life. Um, it's another like only if you have all the time in the world and don't care about something being really slow 
and you just want to see something pretty, um, the mill and the cross is really mm-hmm. unique. Yeah, I think it kind of reminded me, I'm trying to think of the name of the artist. Um, he's kind of famous. He did actually something here at the Nelson in this, this last year, like a walking wall. Um, but he's kind of famous for doing um, nature sculptures. Basically, he takes parts and pieces of nature and kind of rearranges them so they create a design or whatever. And he'll he'll just do like a a whole forest. He'll just go in a forest and do like 20 or, 20 or 30 different pieces. And he takes photos of those. And that's what ultimately gets exhibited. Um, but uh, I saw a movie with him and it was, it was, it was basically a documentary about his process. Um, I'll have to look up the name of it. Maybe we can post it later, but it was so slow, but it's also really soothing to watch. So I'm kind of u- getting used to those types of movies where, the experience is it's it's almost like one of those things when you go in a museum an art museum and they they have like one of those rooms knocked out and there's just like something visual on the wall a video projection yeah and it just runs in a loop it that's kind of what it feels a little bit like and that's kind of how i felt a little bit about um Barry Lyndon as well is it's 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 just visually sumptuous something to look at and it's, it's just kind of calming and there's a little story there obviously too but um, you just have to be in a different mood for it than just you're not going to get popcorn out of it, you know? Yeah, definitely. There's a plot there. I think it's a really good movie. Um, it's just not it, – it's one of those ones that you kind of have to – you have to recommend under the right circumstances, I guess. Right. Like you can't just say, oh, you just got to go see Barry Lyndon. Like, no, you don't have to go see it. And <laughs> I, I wouldn't make you see it, so – if you're a Kubrick completist, maybe, you know, that's, that's where you would go see it. Maybe Zach, how about you? Um, I do have a, a quarantine movie list, uh, with my wife that we are going to start on tonight. Um, we've been mostly binging shows and whatnot. Um, I've been crushing through, uh, Schitt's Creek. Uh, my wife is a big fan and, uh, I too now have become a pretty big fan. I think it's a, really well-written series and it's just got some really fun uh awkward moments and characters uh with the you know the dan levy and eugene levy uh catherine o'hara um i mean they're just uh, those two together have always just done uh, um eugene levy and catherine o'hara their work together has just been always so fun with like christopher guest movies and everything that they've done from second city uh, SCC TV, and um and that's uh, been taking up a lot of my time. Um, uh, I'm trying to think if there was anything. Oh, we finished uh, Kidding, um, which was just a, uh, whew, I mean, yeah, yeah. season one to season two. Just, I think I talked about this last time I was on, but finally finished it. Really, really great. Um, yeah, unique episodes, which is really fun. That show's a ride. Yeah. Yeah, it really. I mean, there was just a couple episodes where it, I feel like I was a mess afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but that was really, really fun. Um, yeah, then uh, I'm sticking sticking with The Walking Dead. Um, oh, man. Yeah, if anybody's if anybody's <laughs> caught up, there there was uh, some interesting stuff happening uh, in the uh, newest was episodes. There? <laughs> uh, there, there was really some really. I mean, hey, they they did something. They they. Uh, I, I'm not going to give away spoilers or anything. We're never watching it, Zach. <laughs> they they killed a major character in the middle of a season. I thought that was like, all right, good for you, you know, like cool. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Also, I think it's fun to watch The Walking Dead in the midst of a pandemic because I'm waiting for the dead to rise, so I'm planning uh for for what's to come. So you're watching something um, boring while you're being bored. Yeah. That's that's, yeah. that's the deal. It's only exciting at the. It's only exciting on the last episode and like the first ten minutes of the first episode of every season or half season because that's how AMC rolls. The Watching Dead. Yeah. Speaking um, of watching uh, stuff during a pandemic, has anybody else had this experience where you see people touching each other on the screen and you're like, "Quit touching each other! Don't get so close to each other." I I. <laughs> Barely kept myself from making a gif of all of the different face palms that people have done over the years and saying, like, don't be like Patrick Stewart or don't be like the airplane people or whatever. 
like don't touch your face yeah somebody at my uh before i was let go from my job somebody made the joke of if you uh if your hand is as big as your face uh then you have coronavirus <laughs> and then it's when you put your hand on your face and then somebody pushes your hand and it's yeah it's a dumb joke yeah. from being a kid but also just <laughs> so, so stupid if you can put your hand um, in your mouth you have coronavirus yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah um but yeah hopefully i have more on movies uh to report back on next time from my quarantine list josh how about you uh i don't know if i mentioned last or the last couple of times i'm doing um pre-screening for a uh film festival in uh, oh. tennessee uh so i've been having to watch just a ton of crap just so many many bad movies uh bad shorts every now and then a a beautiful gold nugget will arise um (laughs) but mostly it's just i mean and i know people put their hard work and their love into doing all this but um movies are uh, hard yeah movies are hard i mean you know i've never made one myself so i can't speak but uh uh man um somebody should have stopped people at before a certain (laughs) point um if they had any loved ones or anything there should have been an intervention um the only thing non-related to that film festival i watched uh since the last recording is the platform uh a sci-fi horror movie that's on netflix right now okay uh it's the cube and snowpiercer kind of jammed together um and the concept is uh two people uh to a floor and we don't know how many floors there are uh but a uh tray of food comes down every day and depending on which floor you are uh every floor above you has gotten to eat off that tray before it gets to you and and it keeps going down below you too so it's a bit of a class metaphor you know um Mm -hmm for the people at the bottom having to starve and everything. But uh, it goes to some really disgusting places. Um, but it was pretty fun. And it's a Spanish movie. Um, so uh, if you've got a strong stomach, uh, I would suggest it. Is it uh, like a prequel to The Human Centipede? Oh, God. It is not, th- <laughs> not that disgusting. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, I caught up on uh, The Resident. I uh, watched the third season of that. That's a a not very high quality, but bingeable and turn off your brain kind of medical drama show that I watch. Um, I stalled. I still have not finished uh, the final season of Mr. Robot. It's like I need to get in a better headspace before I do this because so far I'm not loving where this is going and maybe I need to take a break. Um, and... Yesterday, I binged all of uh, Tiger King on Netflix, which is it's all right. It was it was pretty good. Um, the The guy is completely insane. The story is completely insane. Um, they have so many things to tell you about, but it feels like they they just ran out of time and had to put it out and and finish it and so the last two episodes kind of feel like they're like you're waiting on the other shoe to drop and then it just kind of doesn't and everything they told you in the first 15 minutes was going to happen happens so it's sort of like okay well i guess i now i've seen this um (laughs) yeah people have been raving about it online i feel like every other post i see is well most posts that i see on anything that social media right now is like watch this watch this watch this yeah that's the new one that's popped up um so you know i was thinking about getting into it but it just came out that's why i mean it just came out on friday i think so Mm. um but yeah and i it got recommended to me and i like true crime and documentaries and stuff like that but it was i don't know um like the people involved were the crazy part of it the crimes were sort of like what really like he got in trouble for that or they they made that case that doesn't seem like it would hold up or but you know um 
Tiger King. Pet them baby tigers. Yeah. Did you finish McMillions? Yes. Uh, yeah. I think I don't think you were on the episode where I finished that. I finished McMillions and I finished ah. uh, The Outsider. Um, yeah, we got to do The Outsider, but I finished McMillions too. Yeah. Um, and McMillions also, uh, like, it doesn't have a great conclusion. <laughs> no. It's just sort of over. <laughs> um, and that's kind of how I felt with 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 uh, Tiger King as well. Like the first half of Tiger King is really solid. Like the first four of seven episodes. And then it's just sort of like, okay, well, and then 2014 to the present have happened. And eh. I feel like with these like docu-series uh, to a certain degree, the first few episodes are like really captivating and gripping. And they're like, this is going to happen. And this, it's like, Oh wow. Interesting. Cool. 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 And then you get to the end and you're like, Oh, I guess I could have predicted that, or I yeah. could have just looked it up online. Yeah, it's or, when you know, like it's when, especially with something like uh, something like Tiger King, um, where they really they really go the reality TV route of explaining what's going to happen over and over again before it happens, and then saying, "Can you believe that happened? Here's what's going to happen on the next step." Like, there's a lot of that sort of. <laughs> summarizing after every non-existent commercial the things on netflix so um i feel like they all kind of lose something because they feel like they're trying to pace themselves for a certain number of episodes and i always feel like they could be cut way down (laughs) like half the do the half the episodes and just tighten up the content and i love them a lot more almost every docuseries i've seen that's like five or six episodes i'm like Okay, this could have totally been a couple of episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Um, the only, I mean, the only longer ones that I can think of that really deserve to be long are like the Jinx, um, making a murderer. Like, there's ones that have enough stuff going on that they constitute that they, that they necessitate um, that the, the second season of Making a Murderer even is fairly interesting but it doesn't it doesn't resolve anything <laughs> it's just like here's an update for the first 18 months after it came after the show came out and and then we don't know anything else so maybe in season yeah, three well, there's no wrestlemania this year so brendan dassey's not missing out this time <laughs> <laughs> oh brendan dassey um so yeah, that's what I went up to. Still playing a lot of video games. Um, taking up my time. Um, Trixie and I were playing Overcooked. We actually played a session with Zach uh, over the weekend. And uh, my son and I are still slowly making our way through the original Ocarina of Time on N64. So we're at like the second to last palace on that and He's been sort of frustrated because we had a really hard time on the infamous water temple. So, oh yeah, that'll be fun when we finally get back into that. But um, uh, I love that game, but I did always get frustrated on trying to remember the the melodies. Yeah, and just being like do 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 do. You're like, God <laughs> damn it! <laughs> yeah, listen, <laughs> it's so good. It's it's a decent game. It holds up. Um, but yeah, so uh, the movie this week was Ex Machina. Um, I'd seen it before. Aaron and I actually reviewed it um, back when we were doing our, our car review series from 2014 to early 2019. Um, Zach, I know you hadn't seen it before. Had either of you not seen it before? I'd seen it. I've seen it. Okay, so everybody but Zach who just all right. <laughs> selected it. Here we go. Here we go. I'm the Dexter all over again. <laughs> I, no, I think it's I think it's brave to pick movies you haven't seen. Um, and I guess like if it was truly horrible, we would have said no. Pick another movie. <laughs> uh, I'm not watching that again. Um, no. So uh, let's start with you. What did you think of it, Zach? I liked it. 
uh for for the most part i thought it was uh you know it's a pretty slow paced film even though it's i don't even think it's two hours long um but the pacing does kind of keep you it's a suspense so it's supposed to help you with that but um yeah i thought overall it was an interesting story a story that i've kind of i guess seen a few times before now it's a you know the uh, thing about AI coming to life and gaining consciousness and taking over. I mean, something we've grappled with as society for a long time. Um, this was fun though because I thought it was a little bit more of like the, I don't know, sort of like a Jeff Bezos or like a, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or a Tesla. You know, uh, or um, you Musk. know, uh, Elon Musk. Yeah, like style where it's like, oh, let's go hang out with Elon Musk for a week and see what kind of AI he's got, you know, or something like that. Um, I will say that I, I, I do love Oscar Isaac and I really uh, liked him in this role. Um, it was, f- it was f- a fun way to play that character. I felt like, cause it was almost like um, the weed dealer from uh, high maintenance. He was sort of like the guy where he, he was such a bro, but yeah. he's supposed to be like the smartest guy in the world. And he's also an alcoholic, which is like so funny. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I don't, I don't know if it was like, you know, the best movie I've seen in a long time. Um, but for what it was, I, I thought it was uh, a, a fun watch uh, <laughs> to a certain capacity that fun is like, you know, thinking about what our potential future could be like or whatever. Um and uh, I, my only, I guess, one complaint was I felt like the dialogue was a little too simplistic uh, at certain times, like not in the content of the dialogue. Like clearly they're talking about coding and things that I don't understand, but it, it was very simple. It was just like few, like this, the way they spoke to each other was very simple, I guess. It didn't seem like it was going in depth a lot of the time. Um or, or maybe that was just the way that they spoke to each other. It was it felt almost a, like too casual at moments. Um, so I think the story overall was really good f- for a watch, but then the dialogue itself was just a little on the weaker side for me. Can you give us an example of a scene where you thought the dialogue was weak? Yeah, a lot of the times when the the two guys would just be conversing with one another and they weren't talking about the artificial intelligence when they were just talking like about each other or like what they were doing they would be like you want a beer yeah i'll have a beer like it was just like stuff like that where you're just like i don't know it, i i guess there's so there's so many f- more fascinating things you guys you could talk about in terms of being with like the sp- two of the smartest people in the world and then it was a lot of times just like walk with me here we go mm-hmm. okay here we are uh this door won't open okay here we are it was you know like there's just little stuff like that where i'm just like the Suspense progresses the movie more than the dialogue does. Okay, I have a question for everybody. And <laughs> maybe it's, this is, it hit me the first time I watched it, and it hit me the second time. For any, for like one millisecond, did any of you think that Kyoko was not a robot? Yes. First time I watched <laughs> really? it, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like from her walking yeah. in that room and the way she walked and everything, I was like, "Oh, she's a robot." Uh, but then it was a big reveal when she's not a robot. It it really. Bugged. I think it was a question mark for me, but I think the main reason it was a question mark is because I've seen things like Blade Runner where I was supposed to kind of wonder, so I was m- kind of overthinking it at the time, anyways. But yeah, it it was pretty much right out of the gate. I was like, eh, probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought too kind of right out of the gate that Dom Hall Gleason's character was a robot. I mean, they get to that at some point where they're like, he's like cutting into himself and trying to figure it out. But I'm like, this guy's clearly a robot. Like the test is him, not Ava. So well, yeah, he should realize that he's the one being tested and he's the robot. He kind of does feel it, figure out that he's being tested obviously by the end of the film, but in a different way. Um, but I still expect him to be a robot. Like, I don't think he dies. I think he just lives there in that room for forever. <laughs> I actually thought I, the first time I watched it, I wondered if the other guy was supposed to be the the robot and he was supposed to pass on him. Cause that, I mean, that would have been the nice sleight of hand is, um, I'm sorry. I've lost the guy's name. Uh, Oscar Isaac Nathan, or Oscar Isaac. Yeah. If Oscar Isaac's character had been the robot 
and he was supposed to interact with him and, and not realize that he wasn't interacting with a human. That would have been the real t- t- trick, but yeah, I, I thought uh, Ava was a smokescreen essentially. And that there was something much deeper and more sinister than, than what we really got. <laughs> the movie does have a double twist ending. Because you've got, like, the whole time they're building it up as, you know, Ava is in danger from the inventor. And he's, like, Domhnall Gleeson, Caleb, slowly decides that, you know, he's going to try and help her out. And the double twist is that, um, one, Domhnall Gleeson, like, one, Oscar Isaac knew exactly what was going on. But he didn't know that it had already been done. And two, uh, Caleb didn't know that Ava was playing him the whole time to escape. But that was Oscar Isaac's plan. That was that was what they were trying to do. They were trying to get it to where Ava would manipulate Caleb into breaking her out. But Oscar Isaac, the inventor, screwed up because he underestimated Caleb and that night that he let himself get drunk the night before Caleb had already gone and reprogrammed all the doors. So the, uh, the drinking was a front the whole time. The drinking was like his weakness. And so a lot of the stuff Zach that you were talking about with their dialogue seeming weird and stilted and, and like it just, there wasn't any meat to it. It was sort of to show you the power dynamic of the two. It was like one of the four of us going and hanging out with Elon Musk. Like, we would be that stilted. We would be that, like, held back. We wouldn't try and have a philosophical conversation to be more like, yeah, sure, I'll have a beer. Like, I'm in the weirdest place I've ever been with the weirdest guy (laughs) I've ever seen. And I'm trying to figure this all out and, and take it in as best I can. Um, and then, you know, that dance sequence happens and you're like, okay, I'm into this movie now. This is hilarious. <laughs> I did like the dance sequence. Uh, that was, that was a nice change up, a good way to just like, yeah, make you not kind of know exactly what the hell you're going to expect. And, uh, yeah, that was really, it was fun. Like it's funny and you can't help but laugh at it and it kind of breaks the tension, but it's also, they, they do that when the whole room is in red, like during a power outage style. So it's like they shot it like as scary as they could shoot it, but it's still hilarious because like they're mirroring each other. I'm guessing because Kyoko can like sense everything that Oscar Isaac is about to do and just mimic it. So um, I found a lot more, I really enjoyed this movie the first time that I saw it. I thought it was it was worth seeing um, in the top five or ten movies of the year for 2015. Um, and I found a lot more in it the second time watching it that there's all these clues about what happens at the end. There's all kinds of clues about you know how Oscar Isaac is is gaming everybody and. You know, he makes that one mistake and all of that stuff. Um, the thing that I found weird about watching it the second time was that I don't remember the escape section, basically from when she from when she kills Oscar Isaac to when she gets to the helicopter. I don't remember that taking like fifteen minutes, and it's <laughs> it's long as hell. Um. I was just kind of spellbound the first time I watched the movie and I just enjoyed it. Um, but this time I was like, and then she goes to the helicopter and she's out. Like, I don't need to watch her assemble an arm and put on skin. And, um, uh, but I think the first time you watch it too, you don't know that she's going to leave Caleb locked in. And so you're just waiting for her to finish putting her body together so they can leave. And as a second time viewer, I'm like, yeah, she's, She's peacing out. Like, we're only going to see Caleb one more time, and he's going to bang a window, and that's going to be it. Um, I had completely forgotten that it shows her at a city intersection at the end. 
I forgot that was the ending of the movie. I thought it ended with her getting on the helicopter. But she's actually out there and among people. Um, this was also uh, the first movie I'd seen Alicia Vikander in. So um, people that watch this now, like all three actors are more well-known. It's like having Poe Dameron, General Hux, and two- Laura Croft in the same movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really is. So you're like, oh, these are more distinct characters, people that I know now. <laughs> yeah. My uh, my wife had seen this far before I had, and so uh, she watched a little bit of it with me, but I watched most by myself. Um, but we talked about a little bit of it. And that, um, that last scene, we were talking about the intersection. Uh, it was one of those things where, like, I kind of, I don't mean, you know, it's like I called it, but I was just like, I knew that's where she was going. I guess there's just subtle, there were so many little subtle things, like you were saying, things you can pick up on even in a second viewing that you realize that they they mean something else later. Um, and so like that was one of the things when she talked about the busy intersection, I was like, well, when she gets out, she's going to a busy intersection. Like, And I, I, I as the viewer and person who knows movies, know that she's going to get out one way or another, and this is her ultimate goal. Um, so it's like, I guess uh being someone who's you know able not not to be predictable but like because like the movie still in in certain ways isn't necessarily predictable um but in other ways i guess you know they they lay those little um you know breadcrumbs for you to follow uh so that you're like oh okay that oh okay that yeah that you know um for more people it's more of like a oh yeah and to me it's like i knew that you know yeah, so she's built off of search engine data and and hacked cell phone cameras. And so that's how she's learned to um, see micro-expressions and tell when someone's lying or not. It's how she's learned how to emote herself and why she's so manipulative and why she can um, make such human... Uh, her, her face is so human. Her expressions are so human. Um, is that she has learned all of this. And so for that being, for that intelligence, the ultimate goal would be to go out and gather more of that information than you ever could from the search engine side of it. And so starting with a crosswalk and just watching people and learning all of that behavioral stuff would be a logical first step. Um, There's a couple of sequences where... They show, um, particularly where uh, Caleb is trying to figure out if he's a robot, there's like a blue light that shines on his face that's like tracking all of his movements. It's in the opening scene, too, when he wins the lottery. And that's that's like a clue as to, like, that's all, that's all going to her. She's getting all of that information. Yeah. Through Blue Book, that's the name of the search engine. Yeah. It's like it's like some sort of mix of Google and Facebook. Uh, can I just say uh, I'm a big Alex Garland fan uh, as a writer. Mm-hmm. I like I've liked his movies for a long time, and this was his first directing job. Yes, he okay. only directed one other movie so far, um, and that was Annihilation. Right. Yeah. Um, and I just, uh, the one scene that really stood out to me in this, that made my favorite scene in this movie, is um, when they're at dinner after the first blackout, the power outage, um, and Dom Hall Gleason doesn't know if Oscar Isaac knows what was happening during that blackout. So it's almost like Oscar Isaac is baiting him. But we don't know what Oscar Isaac knows and doesn't know. And I just love the tension in that scene. Like, uh, it seemed to go on forever in my head. But, uh, yeah, oh, man, that's just chef's kiss to that scene. You know, I guess my take on it is, um, you know, this is probably the third or fourth time I've actually sat and watched this movie. It's actually starting to lose its rewatchability for me it's sure i kind of i kind of i'm i'm gonna mirror a little bit what zach said originally which is just that it there's something flat about it i don't know what it is like it 
it wants to be a lot deeper movie than it actually is. And the dialogue doesn't really justify it. The twists don't really justify it. Even the little subtleties to the script that are kind of fun to watch the second time start to get a little bit pale. Uh, and so, I mean, it's a beautiful film to watch. I mean, it's, it's really well shot um, and all the acting is really well done, but I, there's just, it's not quite as deep as I'd want it to be. And I think I'm getting to that point where I'm kind of like, you know, I might even just sell that Blu-ray because I'm not sure I'm really going to enjoy watching it again unless I put some real distance between myself and the last time I watched it. Yeah, I don't think it's a like endlessly rewatch, rewatchable movie. Um, this is the second time I've watched it, and the first time was opening day in the theater in April 2015 or whenever it came out. Um, so I don't know that it really it really stands up to that it really holds your interest for that many times. I mean, like I said, the, the ending sequence, I started feeling like I, I know what happens. Let's go, you know, let's, let's move on. But, um, it, I, at the time I really, I really thought it was something, um, the effects for the robot are amazing. Yes. And the fact that this whole movie is $15 million is insane. This should not be yeah. this good of a movie for $15 million. Yeah, the visual effects, I will agree, probably one of the best things about it. I mean, just the way that they utilize it, where you can still see through her and see what's on behind her. I mean, the the you know what I mean? How they, Maybe they make her transparent. You, yeah, yeah. Like, and actually see what's behind her through her transparency, through her body was so cool. Um, I mean, yeah, they, they did a hell of a job with all of that. And and obviously in terms of like location and setting, I mean setting it all inside of the house, uh, you know, it's sort of like its own little maze because you're kind of not sure necessarily like what part of the house they're in for this thing or that thing. There's like a you know there's like the research facility which is I guess lower, which is why she goes up into like the main area, which is where the uh, patio and the workout all that stuff is. But like all of the bedrooms are all down below. No windows, of course, down below, which is like a big thing that he's talked about uh, when he first gets there, um, when uh, Caleb's like, there's something wrong with the room or whatever. And um, But like I thought that the use of the space as well as the visual effects was, yes, that was a real big selling point for me with, while watching the film. Yeah, doing a bottle uh, for a story is is a way to save money. Like they didn't have to have a bunch of locations and they had a lot of control and got a lot of mileage out of the locations that they had. And they got three really solid actors who were on the rise and weren't, you know, they couldn't, I don't think they could make this movie for $15 million today with this cast. So yeah, like they, they really nailed it. They really, I mean, this was a time when I was seeing absolutely everything that was released and a $15 million sci-fi movie, like, I was expecting it to be, like, you know, all about CG effects and, you know, whether or not, how many, how many sex scenes they were going to try and stuff in there and all that sort of thing. And instead, it's like this sort of thoughtful drama mystery with really, really good performances in it. Um, that I think, I mean, I agree that they, um, that the script is not the best part of the movie. Um, but I think it works just fine. I think, I think like, because it's written and directed by the same person, I think it's, it, it works out. I think the, the bottle ness of the movie like when you have a bottle episode or you know it's it's a really confined story um actually is one of the things i loved about it to begin with i mean i actually like this even though what i said a minute ago where i think it's kind of deteriorating a little bit for me as i've been watching it i think this is better than like arrival or annihilation or some of the other ones that i've seen where i'm i'm just not as wild about them because they're they're just not as well stitched together whereas this one it has very specific goals and it sets out to do them and it seems to pretty much accomplish them with, you know, it's, it's just a very efficient movie. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Arrival, um, was a $50 million budget 
and Amy Adams was a was a star when they made it. And yeah. so like that that's that's kind of where I'm coming from with the it's not the best, it's not the greatest and I I'm not going to watch it every year or anything, but for what it is, it's pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah, my uh wife said something when um uh Oscar Isaac's uh Nathan the the CEO guy as uh, being killed, she said something about like uh, in the lines of uh, "That's what that's what you get for raping a bunch of robots." <laughs> do you guys do you guys think that's that's what he was doing? Because I mean, he was very invested in the uh, the hole that he created with the sensation, and he was definitely alluding to the he fact definitely that definitely like, fucked those robots. Right. Okay, <laughs> for sure. I mean, there's a lot of ideas in this that I think are better done in Westworld, honestly. The first season of Westworld yeah. kind of takes this sort of thing and spins it a little bit harder, and it's a little bit better. Yeah, I was I was wondering at the end when she was sort of taking parts off of the other prototypes or whatever to construct herself. I was like, none of these women are the same size. I said she's the same color. color. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you look too, like all of the other women's breast sizes are like substantially smaller than like what you see as her breasts in in like AI form. And And then she puts on. And then when you see when you see her nude, (laughs) yeah, her breasts are smaller than what they were when she was a robot. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I I was like, am I crazy? No, thank you all for noticing. Did you not think that all the the men in the audience wouldn't notice? Oh no, we're very particular. <laughs> Leave it to a bunch of uh, dudes on a podcast to finally get around to talking about her breasts. <laughs> they were they were excellent. They were excellent. Yeah, all the women. But I'm just saying, very, very nice. Put, Everything is very nice. If they put skin over what they had already defined as her bust, like if those were necessary robot parts under there, then she would have been like a D cup or something. And she's yeah. clearly not. I, uh, I thought it was fun too. the, when she's like taking small parts off and putting it on and I was like, Oh, she's Frankensteining herself, you know, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, well, but she's not going to use the, uh, the black woman's body <laughs> because it's such a distinction. I mean, even some of the Asian women that are in that, uh, the catalog of women. And it's just like, Oh, it's just a little, this little, that. And then people are like, something's not right about yeah. this. Well, and I think the you last know? thing that she puts on is the hair. <laughs> And the woman they're like yeah. clearly showing you is going to be the one that she's taking the hair off of has completely different. Like she has straight black hair, and then they just went with Alicia Vikander's like natural color, which is sort of a sort of a brownish color and like has a bit of a curl to it. Yeah, like like as seen in Tomb Raider. So you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, little. Little things like that they can't necessarily get away with because they're like, well, now she's her as opposed to right. p- pieces of her, you know. So, which her is another movie that this made me think of. Um, yes, mm. which came out around the same time. Um, I think it was that that like Christmas or Oscar season or whatever you want to call it that it came out. My favorite movie yeah, of 2015 was, was uh, Mad Max Fury Road good that's a movie i think i could watch every year well i feel like this one kind of fits in there um as another movie that fits really well that could just be a really outstanding episode of black mirror um yeah it kind of has that same technology versus humanity kind of thing it seems like we've had a lot of those yeah i was thinking too like you said uh nathan westworld um you know, in terms of like what they're going for with the AI and trying to escape and, you know, how advanced they are and are they conscious or not? Um, you know, even to that degree though, like I'm, I'm still all over the place watching Westworld as is right now and sort of being like, you know, it's a cyclical, like it just goes around and around and around. It's like, all right, they know that they're, some of them know that they're robots. (laughs) So like, what are they going to do about it? Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's, uh, there's a number of, I think different, uh, other, um, 
movies or TV shows that have addressed this similar um, idea uh, that maybe execute it in a different way that's, I don't know, not necessarily more enjoyable, but just in a different way that might be different memory. I'll tell you what I was expecting when I went to see it, which was Transcendence, the Johnny Depp movie where he dies and becomes an AI. Not necessarily that plot, but that level of sci-fi and shit. Um, Because it's a terrible movie, but it has really high production values and a big cast, like Johnny Depp, Paul Bettany, Killian Murphy, Kate Mara, Morgan Freeman, like... And it's uh, it is trash, and that was a hundred million dollar movie. <laughs> Next thing you know, we're going to be talking about Johnny Amonic. Please don't. Yeah, <laughs> I was th- I was thinking uh, I was thinking Lawnmower Man. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> God, Lawnmower Man, so good, <laughs> so bad, so good. Um, there are things I think are funny about this movie. So. Uh, it got made. Um, obviously, the screenwriter has done a bunch of other successful stuff. His writing project, but this was his directorial debut. Um, that's why the budget's so low, and he's the writer-director and all that. Um, Universal had the rights to put this out worldwide, and when it came to the U.S., they were like, eh, we don't really want to bet on this movie. We don't think it's good enough. So they shopped around, and they offered it to some other company and they said no and then a24 saw it and was like you guys are fucking nuts we're putting this out and it made a24 a shitload of money and universal said yeah "Yeah, we're not going to do that again let's let's not Mm -hmm. do that again a24 is great i really like a lot of the stuff they put out you know whether they make it or not whatever they're whenever i see that stamp on there i'm like i'm probably going to enjoy this yeah absolutely yeah I actually applied to work for them recently, and I haven't heard back. And I was like, well, probably because of a hiring freeze, I'm sure. I think about the time that Under the Skin came out is when like everything they made was golden. And it's it's been pretty much the same ever since. Yeah. And I saw Under the Skin with you yeah. in theaters. And I, may, and I also read the book, too, which the book and the movie are vastly different. But the movie was still great. I, I really love that movie. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. Can I drop a little nerd trivia on this too? Shut up, Josh. Um, damn it. <laughs> um, no, I'm going ahead. I don't care. Uh, so um, Oscar Isaac is making a movie based on the comic book Ex Machina now. But because he already made a movie called Ex Machina, they're having to rename it uh, The Great Machine. So... Just know when the Great Machine comes out, like next year, that it was supposed to be called Ex Machina, but Oscar Isaac actually screwed himself on that one. Ha! Interesting. He's just like consuming everything called Ex Machina. Exactly. <laughs> Making sure he's in every every version of it. Uh huh. It's awesome. Then he's going to start the the video game adaptations of all the Deus Ex games only a matter of time (laughs) this is uh this is gonna be completely off topic in a certain way but still on topic for the movie but like so this place this compound this house this research facility is uh in a very remote area of the world that we don't really know where um but the guy at the beginning of the helicopter pilots like we've been traveling over his estate for two hours so we know it's very vast yeah so it's Um, montana he has all of montana Montana. (laughs) yeah waterfalls everything so there is so much alcohol in this movie do you think that he stocked up originally or like does he get shipments in uh, also remember when he said that he had to kill the guys who made the, the yeah. security system like was he joking <laughs> um or like yeah i don't know that like what do you guys so, think i mean obviously I, it doesn't matter but <laughs> i can tell you pretty definitively on the alcohol that that was staged for caleb's benefit 
that he's not that heavy of a drinker that mm-hmm. they they needed to show Caleb a way to to take him out of commission so he can do stuff behind his back and that was the what that was what they chose to do just like his uh wardrobe choice is always open and exposed and like yeah he's leaving himself wide open for Caleb the whole time so yeah i think that fits into as you would imagine that someone that's that reclusive would be more of like a Howard Hughes germaphobe and like wouldn't want to touch like wouldn't want to be in the same room with him like they want to talk through you know video phones or something but instead he's like you said like he's the ultimate bro he's just like yeah crack a beer let's sit here hey watch the girl dance yeah. she's she likes to yeah and it but did you think that he had to kill anyone based upon putting this compound together maybe i don't know <laughs> not that it really matters yeah yeah yeah. Uh, well, the two just also Dom Hoglison and and uh, Oscar Isaac's ability to play off one another because having such a small cast like this can really either make or break a film. I feel like. Yeah. And they they did they personally those two actors with the the female actresses and everyone that like everyone involved made it so good like they all played off each other so well. Um, and so like I thought it was actually funny and fun that they end up in the star wars universe together as these enemies (laughs) and so like even thinking about as much as people hate the last jedi just that one scene where they're like back and forthing yeah about like your mom called uh it's like just makes me think of this and it's just so funny um so i appreciate that at least (laughs) still holding for general hux (laughs) it it, it made uh (laughs) Made the Last Jedi just that much better, huh? I I am a I do love the Last Jedi. Yeah, we all know few. you're wrong, Zach. It's we okay. all know. We oh, all I'm with know. you. I'm, I'm with, with you, you Zach. On that one. I'm with you. <laughs> Woo! Got a couple of friends here, just like the Force. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm all about knives out too. Let's keep let's keep Ryan Johnson doing what he does best. <laughs> um. So yeah, as far as uh, suggestions for next time. Uh, my suggestion is Blue Ruin, which is a movie written and directed by Jamie Saulnier and stars Macon Blair as the lead actor who uh, went on to direct I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Uh, it's the same uh, director or the same uh, team behind uh, the 2015 movie green room which a bunch of us saw i think for the the in the car movie reviews thing but this is kind of the first big movie they made and they made it kind of on a shoestring and it's kind of it's it's kind of amazing well cool that is it uh thank you everyone for joining thank you everyone for uh listening and we will see you on the next deeply discussing podcast thank you Thank you.